Hey, what's up? This is uh, Jack Vampa on this episode of my friend Joey and his wife Evelyn. Talking about Easter, talking about all kinds of stuff I can't remember right now. Um, but anyway, thanks for listening again and um, be sure to uh, drop a donation if you like what you heard. And we also got a Patreon going now, so that's pretty cool. So anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> Do you, man? Joey's <laughs> laughing at me because I'm putting too much salt on my margarita. <laughs> it says I'm gonna raise my cholesterol. <laughs> um, so, okay, so church, like, just because someone stops going to your church, do you have to stop becoming friends with them? No, bro. It shouldn't be like but that. But a lot of people are like that. Most people are like that. It's like, well, if you're gonna go to my church, I'm on my mission. Good luck with your life. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good luck with all that. <laughs> you suck. Bye. I, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of weird because people like... <laughs> I just raised my blood pressure over here. I don't know. Like, I feel like people are... They're so tribal, first off, but I feel like two people... I understand on the other side of, like, you don't want to hang around with people who aren't going to help you move towards whatever mission or whatever goal you have in your life, you know? And so I understand in one way, but I think that's, again, what's so toxic about that salvation message and what's so toxic about the church's mission in general is that it, it just doesn't You're trying to see people saved brother gotta get them saved you know it's like it doesn't really work like that no it doesn't work like that and and it, like like I told Kendrick last episode like what are we gonna do whenever we find out what if we found out Jesus is an alien what if, <laughs> what if we found out that we actually had preached the gospel to the entire world and Christ is didn't come back yet you know what I'm saying? Like, the whole mission is, um, what is it? Like, preach the gospel to every creature, and we're going to speed the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Excuse me. And, and then, like, that's it. So everything they do, like you had said before, mm-hmm. there's no... Honestly, if they were being really honest with themselves, it'd be like, they have to spend every single waking moment preaching the gospel. Yeah. They can't not they can't do anything else. And it's like I feel like in their heart of hearts maybe they know that's impossible. So they try to make sacrifices of the people around them or of their careers or of what they really want. Mm-hmm. And it and it it's not good, man, cuz like I got I like again, I love how like we had talked about that one time. It was like what if you just die and you show up in heaven and God's like, hey, did you enjoy your life? Mm-hmm. I think right out the gate, that's going to knock out like 90% of people, uh, 90% of Christians at least, because it's going to be like, wait a minute, I was supposed to enjoy my life? Mm-hmm. Jesus is like, yeah, I came to give you life and life more abundantly so you can have a good life, have enjoy your life, you know? And then we're going to be like, Wait, I I I suffered this whole entire time, and I didn't even want to do this. I didn't even want to have this job. I just was making money, or I was just 
I was so busy serving in the church, I never stopped to ask if I even really wanted to be a pastor. You know? And it's like... I, I don't think that's a good place to be in. And I think it, it makes it to where a lot of decisions that people make, like with their friends, it's like, why would you... They don't even want to be friends with certain people. You know? Mm-hmm. That don't... That, that aren't... Yeah, like how many people wouldn't be friends with certain people who wasn't for church? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, they wouldn't be friends with them because of church. I mean, and again, church... This is one of churches, I feel like, is... Church's really important aspects is the social aspect of it. Like me, I want to go to church sometimes just so I can be social with people. Because I'm like, it's a great place to be social. You know, like you go and it's like these people are here to worship God, which is great. Here to hear a sermon, that's good. And some of them you may get along with and that may be, they may become your best friends. I mean, that's how it happened with me, you Mm -hmm. know. My best friends, you guys and Kendrick and all, like... I kind of met them in a weird way because of religion or because of Christianity. And it's like, so that's not necessarily bad. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's good to ditch people because they don't go to the same church as you. That's bad, for sure. That is bad. I don't know, man. Like, that's what I was saying is like, a lot of people's mission is like, we got to get people saved. Like... Like, a lot of the stuff that Paul says doesn't even make sense in light of that. Because it's like, it's up to us to get people saved. But he, Paul was like, you should lead you should lead a quiet life, you know? Yeah. Like, well, how does that make sense? It's like, and then church tells you, you need to be, like, as faithful as possible to get people in these doors. Yeah, it doesn't even, it's like backwards, right? Like, yeah. Like, if, you go, if you're supposed to have a quiet and peaceful life... Becoming a fiery evangelist preacher does not equal a quiet and peaceable life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's the exact opposite of what that prayer's request is. And, yeah, I mean, I, I see the same way. I think, honestly, I think the optimal Christian, probably, is like someone who... You don't even probably even know they're a Christian because they don't go to church and they don't flaunt it. They're just one of those people that just does right by everybody. And has like this divine quietness to their soul or this divine peace to their soul that even with like bad things happen they're like that person that's like everything's gonna be okay or even if you get mad at them they're like they're it doesn't really phase them that you're mad you know Mm -hmm. it's like this divine peace that they walk in where almost like they just um i don't know like they just they transcended reality in a way you know Man, I mean, I, I I don't honestly know if I've ever met anybody like that. I mean, I feel like maybe I have, <laughs> you know, maybe along the road somewhere I did. Yeah. But I feel like all of the people I've met a lot of times, they're just, I mean, they're just people, you know. But I guess in my heart, I sort of imagine there's a person who, I imagine there's a person that I'll meet someday. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'll meet myself. Who knows? But. Somebody who just has this this godly peacefulness to themselves that really inspires me and motivates me to be better, you know what I mean? Or ma- makes me, like, moves me to... S- like, you know who actually has that that I saw? I feel like I saw in a video at least. It's Francis Dutois. When I saw him and he was, like, preaching, I was just, like, something about the 
that he just saw the gospel as beautiful. He just saw Christ as beautiful. Something about, like, it really motivated me. That's probably why I was so mad whenever I heard the thing about him. Riddle or whatever, Jeremy Riddle. <laughs> I was so mad when he attacked him, and I was just like, dude, you need to shut your mouth. Yeah, like, I remember he's like, stay as far away as you can from the mirror Bible. The mirror Bible, Satan's Bible. Yeah, man, and, like, a lot of people, they're all about, like, oh, man, thank you so much for preaching the truth. Like, because... Yeah, like, because what you believe is what's going to determine whether you go to heaven or hell. It's not based on God's goodness. It's based on what you believe. It's based on your goodness. It's yeah. it's truly based on works. Yeah, man, the whole thing, like, I was going to tell you, like, the other day I was listening to uh, Stephen Furtick talking. It's, like, I forgot what it was called. I think it's called, like, The Elephant in the Room. It's, like, a, it's like I think it's an older YouTube channel, but... Huh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah it's whenever, like, people from, like, different... Um, denominations or whatever talk to each other anyways like Stephen Furtick was speaking to Matt Chandler I think Matt Chandler I don't even know who that dude is he's like I guess he's more of like a reform Baptist guy oh like they're kind of Calvinist kind of guy yeah anyways they were having a debate they were like talking about should is the church there on Sunday morning to reach lost people or or is it there to build up the people who are already a part of the church in the word? Huh. Basically what Manchelino was saying was like the church is for building up the people who are already coming. And yeah. like the lost people is like kind of a secondary thing. And huh. Stephen Furtick's thing was kind of more like it's more about reaching lost people. And like one of the they were like kind of giving Stephen Furtick props because they were like oh like you know you rebreeds like 10,000 people in South Carolina or wherever he's at and it's like that's awesome you know yeah. but I was just sitting there listening it's like 10,000 people in one state like wow like 10,000 people are going to heaven because of what you did in the world 10,000 10,000 is like a stupid small number mm-hmm. compared to like 7 billion people like yeah it is like could you even live with yourself thinking like, man, I only got 10,000 people. <laughs> I only got point zero zero one percent of the world's population saved. Yeah, and it's like, and then Jesus was like, man, he just, like, I just did what I could do. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, y'all do the rest. Good luck. Yeah, you good know, luck. Make sure you're good at speaking. <laughs> <laughs> make sure you're good at public speaking. <laughs> it's a gift of the spirit. Yeah, I honestly, man, I don't even. That's an interesting question. I've actually never really thought about that until you just said that. Like, like the why is the church there? Like, why is the church there? I mean, that's, well, that's... why was the early church there? Think about that. Well, I feel like, see, and that's the thing is I feel like the mission's changed, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like the mission has been, like, again, like, I kind of briefly touched on this with Kendrick in the last episode, but, like, I don't really understand, like, the vision of the church. Mm-hmm. And, like, like, I feel like the apostles did and accomplished... And what their mission was. They did it. Like, they... Like, I I read the other day 
because I was talking to my buddy Paul, and I was like, you know, t- You're Paul? <laughs> no, I wish I would. Oh no, he might as well be. He's he's really cool, but you know, like I was I was telling him like you know Timothy went or not Timothy sorry Thomas the one who put his fingers in Jesus' hands and in his side said, my Lord my God. There's there's a record of him going to India to preach yeah, to preach the gospel. And the people in India in one of the things called like the something I think like Malamar or something <laughs> verses, I don't know. Forgive me for butchering that. I can't remember. I think I think summoned a demon. I might have just summoned a demon. But like apparently he even went to China. And yeah, he went to China too, apparently, in their records. Because he went all the way up to some place called, there's another weird word, I think it's called Kelala, India. <laughs> another demon. Another demon. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he went up there to to China and India. and But see, I just don't feel like those guys preach the gospel the same way we think we have to preach it. Like, I don't, I don't see... Like, like okay, if you go back to the records of Hinduism in India and China, like, even, okay, so when I was in China, right, mm-hmm. this is crazy. Like, in some of the words in kanji, which is, like, the written, the written language, the sophisticated written language that Japan shares with them, too, mm-hmm. those real complicated characters, a lot of those words that are really old have Christian pictures in them. Like sin. Sin is like a the picture for sin and the word for sin is a woman, a man, and a garden. Mm. In Chinese. China is like the, is the oldest culture as far as we know in the world, pretty much. What about Africa? I I think it might be as far as we know for civilized culture, I think China's the oldest. Mm. <laughs> it's weird, right? Yeah. yeah, like and so they have these words and I'm like, Man, Thomas must have got here, you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't think I don't think his goal was like converts. Yeah, it wasn't converts. It was to it was to make Christ known in what they had already maybe. You know, like I think I always think about Paul's sermon like of him preaching in Acts where he's like you know like um talking about the temple to the unknown god. Yeah. And saying that this is God basically. Or it's like your poet said in him we live and move and have our being. Yeah, it's like your poet said in him we move live and move and have our being. And it's like that is profound, dude. Like absolutely profound. Because he's not he's not trying to make he's not just trying to destroy Greek culture. He's trying to use Greek culture to make Christ known. That's why he's quoting a poet. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like if Thomas and them went, I feel like he would use the Hindu gods to he would make, he would use Shiva to explain Christ. Uh-huh. He would say, "Yes, you say you call him Shiva, but maybe he'd say something like along the lines of, well, Shiva has a lot of characteristics of Christ. Let me explain Christ. Let me explain how he's similar to Shiva.'" And then maybe even in Buddhism, he was like, "A lot of the ways of Buddhism are very similar to Christ, the way Christ behaved, and he's like could use that as a way to explain and make make it known who the Christ is, make known the revelation of God, you know. I feel like that that's such an important thing, and I know that's kind of off topic, but well, I, what were you saying? Well, like one thing I thought was interesting is somebody had told me that apostles were in the Roman I don't know how true this is, but this is what I heard. And that apostles 
was like a Roman job. Huh. That they were their uh, an apostle's job was, you know, Rome conquered a lot of like countries. Yeah. And so like, um, they would conquer like this far off country, and the apostle's job was to go there and show them how to live like a Roman, like to live in Roman culture, wow. because it's like. It's not enough just to take over something if they're not going to adopt the culture. Yeah, they're not going to assimilate to your culture. So think about that in Christianity. It's like you've all been taken over. You've all been conquered. Now it's time for all of you to learn how to live like a Christian. Yeah, to live Isn't that in, crazy? Yeah, to live <laughs> in the kingdom of heaven. That's... Wow. I know. <laughs> that probably is true. Think about that, man. Because it's like... Paul was like, all right, we have these churches. Some of them are, like, having orgies. <laughs> it's like some of them are literally getting drunk at church. You're eating all the food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you used to live like this when you were, like, far separated from Christ. Yeah. But it's like, now that you are, you know, in Christ, or now that, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's up to you to... It's, it's now... Your your job in a sense to live like it, you know. Yeah. And it's like don't live like that anymore. He would he, he never said like don't live like that. You're gonna go to hell, you know, with your willful sinning, you know. Yeah. Or any of that. He was like, dude, you're part of Jesus's body, and anything that you indulge in, you're putting the Lord's body to indulge in that, you know. And it's like you wouldn't dishonor. You shouldn't dishonor God or yourselves in those ways. Yeah. And so it's really interesting whenever you, like, whenever you see Paul, it's like, we all think in terms of, like, heaven and hell, you know, all all this terminology, but it's like, I don't remember Paul, the man who wrote two-thirds of the Bible, ever even talk about hell. Yeah. And if that, that would have been a very, like, important thing to, to talk about. Thing to miss. That would have been the central theme of everything almost yeah like he really effed up if he <laughs> yeah he really he really screwed up really bad if that's the case but yeah um that's interesting because i feel like i mean i don't i mean i just really haven't you know thought of that like <laughs> but see i still i still feel like i still feel like the goal was to make Christ known, the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. Not necessarily destroying people's culture or destroying their heritage, but removing the things in their heritage that are harming them. Or, or maybe not even removing, but revealing Christ. Re- revealing Christ. Yeah, revealing Christ and in, in in that heritage. And Christ in them. Well, because well, another thing I think about, and this is kind of a crazy thing, like, let's say, let's say just a hypothetical example because I don't I don't think this is true obviously but if we we had that hell counter going you know where it's just counting the bodies counting the souls that are burning in eternity which is fake but let's say you had that counter going then it would be God's responsibility to appear in every culture over the world in some shape or form mm-hmm. to reveal some sort of enlightenment or some sort of if that were required if that were required yeah, that and, would be the just thing to do. Yeah, it would absolutely would be the just thing to do, and it's like. But he only revealed himself to Israel, and he was the God of Israel, and he came as an Israelite. Yeah, which, 
Which again, I don't, and see, that's the thing is like, I don't really know how you could quantify that other than dying and asking God, because it would be like, it's, it's so hard to understand another culture till you go to that culture and you have to be like them. And then you see why the way they think is the way they think. Like I, I made that mistake whenever I was in China especially because a lot of America is very close in some of its values but China was a different kind of place man I mean it was like the things I value they don't value they value the you know the society above themselves they value you know like they treat like you know like we had some kid come they're up. not individuals like or individualistic like us no they're not individualistic like us and they think about the country as a whole and they think about the future as a whole and they think about and they're very you know homogenous and that everybody's chinese you know and it was like kind of a shock kind of you know and then even and there's probably a lot of benefits of that because i mean it's been proven with nordic countries that the homogeny of northern countries like nordic countries like iceland finland norway stuff like that has a lot to do with how well their country does because mm-hmm. they all think the same and act the same and believe the same you know so um uh so i, I feel like if you if you had to be in a if you were an apostle and just i mean just think about like peter and paul right mm-hmm. like peter was sent to the jews and pete and paul was sent to the gentiles yeah. The difference in the way Peter would have to talk and speak to those to the Jews versus the way Paul would have to speak to the Gentiles and talk with the Gentiles mm-hmm. are two completely different ways of doing things. But if they try to use the same method, the same way of experience, the same way of explaining things, the same stories, it's not going to work. This actually actually this is a really good example. So I heard about a missionary who went to Japan, right? Mm-hmm. And he had to learn kind of he had to learn Japanese culture before he could even really speak to those people because like to them the image of the blood of the lamb, right? Yeah. Is is kind of stupid because it's like a lamb's a dumb animal. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like in their in their mind, lambs are dumb animals. And so if you if you would talk to them about Christ, you can't talk to them on that level of Jesus is the Lamb who was slain before the foundations of the earth. That means nothing. But if instead you say Christ displayed the way of the samurai <laughs> with loyalty and honor and faithfulness. And goodness, and you know what I'm saying? Then it's like, oh, then the picture becomes very clear, you know? Yeah. And then maybe you even, like, not that he committed suicide, Jesus committed suicide, because obviously we killed him. Yeah. But that he laid down his life for his Lord, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like the way they did in feudal Japan, that would paint a much more powerful picture. Yeah. You know? And, but, it, and again, it comes back. It comes back to what you're saying, though, too. I mean, what do you think? I mean, really, it's a super good question. What's the role of the church? Is it to save lost people, or is it to empower the people that are there already? It seems to be leaning a lot more with the empower the people that are there already. 
Well, like, is saving people, was that ever the, was that ever an actual, saving people doesn't even make sense, because no. Jesus is the savior of, of the, the world. world. Yeah. So, what does that make us? Does that make us the second saviors, or the continuous saver, saviors, you know, that doesn't I, make sense. I don't, I don't know, but see, I don't, I don't feel like that was even God's mission in the first place. Well, how does God save people? Is it through other people? Or is it through himself? Is he the sole savior? That's, he, a, that's a big question, I think. Yeah. God, is how does God save people? How does God save people? Does he do it through faith? Or does he do it through the cross? He does, or is it both? <laughs> or is I, it? I think, okay, so here's how I believe the Bible explains this. Is that Christ saves the world through the cross of himself. Like, like we did evil to him. We did bad things or whatever. But he uses the very thing that we meant as a form of destruction in order to bring about our redemption. You know, like the cross being this horrible, horrible way to die that criminals go through, thief on the cross, all that stuff. It's a bad way to die. You die from asphyxiation, which means that you basically drown on your own blood or you choke to death, run out of air very bad way to die and then they come around and they'll break your legs and then you kind of can't you can't hold yourself up anymore on the cross so you can't breathe so you choke to death and die very bad way to die very slow painful way to die mm-hmm. and but but he god used that thing that was meant to be a sign of death and and remove the power of death in hades mm-hmm. and he used that and made like an open triumph of the devil Saying that he had the he that Christ literally took the keys of Hades and death back or took took them. And if he has them, he's only gonna do good, like Brad Jerzik says, like if Jesus takes the keys of Hades and death, what do you think he's gonna do with them? He's gonna use them to set us free. Yeah. He's not gonna use them for evil. Yeah, and, he's gonna use it to lock up the bad people. Yeah, and, and if you say something along the lines of like, I helped save this person or I got this person saved it's trying to say that you have the power to do that. And we absolutely do not have the power to do that. I mean, we can't even, you know, keep ourselves from masturbating half the time. How are we supposed to freaking stop the devil from destroying the world? Or stop, stop the forces of Satan or forces of the devil from destroying the world? Or stop somebody from going to hell. Or stop somebody from going to hell. We don't have that power. And it's like... We were we were helpless, man. But see, that's that's the gospel, though, man. It's like while we were enemies of Christ in our minds, while we were still enemies in our minds, Christ died for us. You know, at the right time, He appeared. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a beautiful story because it's like it's a story of of rescue for somebody who doesn't even know they need to be rescued. They don't even know they're prisoner. Yeah, and that's the other thing is like a lot of people start the gospel with like you know that you are separated from God. It's like, and uh, have you ever done anything bad? It's like, well, you're separated from God. So now you need to repent and you need to put your trust and faith in Jesus. I know you never heard about Jesus, but mm-hmm. you need to, <laughs> whatever that means to you, yeah. to put your, that's the other thing is people are like, well, you need to put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus. It's like, those are such vague statements to me that people don't really, if I say faith, hope, and trust, those mean different things to everybody i think i think yeah 
I think everybody thinks it means, I don't know what they think it means, you know, and I don't think we know what they're trying to accomplish. They just think it's like a poster you hang up from Hobby Lobby, you know, faith, hope, love, or whatever. <laughs> they don't even, they don't even know, seriously, like, those words are, those words have very strong, strong meanings. Yeah. It's very strong, specific meanings. You know what's crazy is like the Ethiopian that Thomas talked to, he was like, he read that scripture from the Old Testament, and he's like, who's he talking about? Like, An axe, yeah. The, the, like, a lamb before a shearer is silent. Like, he was silent, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, who's he talking about, himself or somebody else? Then Thomas explained to him, it's about Jesus. Jesus died for everybody. Mm-hmm. And after he explained to him, after Thomas was like, this man, Jesus, is God, who died for the sins of all the world, and he cleansed all the world. Yeah. He responded... Not by, what do I have to do to be saved? Because Thomas just explained to him that he was saved. Yeah. And then, so his response was logically, well then, what's to stop me from getting baptized? Yeah. You just told me this good news that affects me, this Ethiopian guy, that I'm saved. Why why can't I get baptized? And Thomas was like, well, you have to repent of your sins. (laughs) Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, and do well, all this stuff. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see, and that brings up another thing. That brings up the what repent even means, you mm-hmm. know? Because like I think about too about Peter. Whenever again in Acts, um, he's preaching, and all these people are cut to their heart because he says, "You crucified the Lord of Glory." Mm-hmm. You know, you did this, and then when he says that, basically the Spirit backs him up. And the Holy Spirit's backing him up, and they like cuts the people to their hearts, and he's like, "Oh, what should what what do we need to do?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Repent and believe on him, right?" Mm-hmm. But that gives context to it because it's like he's saying this guy is the savior of the world. You guys killed him, right? Mm-hmm. He's not saying repent and be saved. He's saying repent. And believe so you don't maintain this way of living. Like you're already saved. You he he saved you despite you not knowing it. Yeah. But now it's time to turn away from the evil and turn to the good. And that's I think that's that's what I think really causes the conviction. The conviction happens whenever like can you imagine uh, like maybe this is for somebody listening right now, like the person you have treated the worst in your life, maybe it's your parent, maybe it's your child, maybe it's your friends that you did something horrible to. Maybe it's an ex-husband, an ex-wife. Imagine that person winning the lottery and them going, hey, I have, I'm going to give you half of what I, I, I got from the lottery. Your entire life's going to be better now. Everything's going to turn around. I'm going to... or I'm, or I'm going to help all your family. I'm going to help everyone you know. I'm going to um, um, stop all the pain in your life. Or stop all the generational curses. I'm going to stop all that. Like, can you imagine how, like, cut to your heart you're going to be? Especially if you know you did them wrong. Then the word repent makes sense. (laughs) Then the word repent and, and believe makes sense is that believe what i'm telling you and then turn away from what you used to do believe now you know what i mean that would like i think that will break anyone like i mean you it could even be a pet you mistreated 
the pet ends up being, you know, your dog, your dog Scooby Doo ends up, ends up being the dog that saves you in the end or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, well, like I was gonna say, like the other way around, the other way that's so profound about that like analogy is like we think the gospel is like this ex-wife or husband being like, tell me you're sorry, and I'll give you half. Tell yeah. r- tell me how bad of a person you were, mm. and say you're sorry get on your knees beg and tell me yeah beg for my forgiveness and i'll give you this that really paints a picture of how bad we have the gospel yeah. like how wrong we have it it sounds it sounds evil it sounds like a demon doing it <laughs> beg for my forgiveness otherwise i'm gonna burn you i'm gonna i'm gonna throw you into these flames it's sad but if you serve me i'll give you eternal life <laughs> that's so psychotic yeah man it just shows you how like wrong we have god you know like yeah it's more like i know you did me wrong i know you're still doing wrong but here take this yeah i know but i I understand why like i still love you so much. i still love you because i I know why you do wrong but see this is what's so powerful man this is why i encourage anybody especially christians go learn about child behavioral psychology because it will it will open your eyes to why people do wrong like it is so powerful like i've been reading this book and i recommend it to everyone it's called the boy who was raised as a dog and it is so powerful to see how huh i'm not going to give away the stories in the book please read it but you see a very very clear picture of why kids do wrong you see a very real picture of bad bad behavior as a child leads to bad behavior as an adult you see you see it's insane like these these kids they'll be I don't know some some say for example some situation you have them to where their parent their little baby who needs their mother and needs their father and what ends up happening is they uh the the parents leave them for like hours a day or they leave them neglected or they leave or they abuse them and these kids start displaying that behavior they start displaying the behavior of an abuser. They start acting like they've been neglected. And because they didn't have anybody to congratulate them when they learned to walk, they didn't have anybody to congratulate them and and love them whenever they learned to talk, they become, they have these deficiencies, these mental deficiencies, these mental social problems, and they act those out. They act those out. And it's like, now imagine this across every single person you know. And now you see this picture of people don't do bad because they want to do bad. People do bad as a means of survival. That's what they do. And Jesus is like, I see this. I see that you do this. I see that you're, in a way, you're victims of change. You're victims of the environment. And instead of blaming you, I'm taking it out on the right party, which is sin and death itself. I'm taking it out on that party so you don't have to live like an animal any longer, which is, I think, a great way to say it. Repent and stop acting like a beast. Stop acting like an animal. 
Use, use the things I'm teaching you. The kingdom of God is a higher way of living, a higher way of thinking. And it's like, but what ends up, but these people, they do sin. And people, I don't think people even understand that. Like, there's a reason Hitler became Hitler. There's a reason Stalin became Stalin. You put, you put yourself in their environment. You put yourself in Hitler's environment where you were abused by a Catholic priest or whatever it is that happened to him. You, you put him in an environment where after World War I, everybody was impoverished and he suffered the pain of poverty, like extreme poverty throughout an entire country. And then he tries, he's making it right. He's rebuilding Germany. I mean, I think even some people credit him with coming up with the Volkswagen, you know, like rebuilding Germany. And he's like, we're going to take it to the fight to them and we're going to destroy them because of what they did to us. Now the picture of Hitler's motivations become really clear. And it's like, and this dude just wants to be an artist, but that's not good enough. Artistry don't make money. This is Germany, impoverished Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, and then now you start to see why he became this. Now you start to see, and I'm not saying Hitler's right for all those fools that are like, oh, you're saying Hitler's a good guy. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, <laughs> is that everybody behaves badly in response to pain and trauma and their environment and survival. That's what we do. The more impoverished you are, the more monkey reptile brain will take over. The harder you'll have to become. If you lived in the streets, if you're from the streets and somebody's talking mess, you have to slap him in his mouth. Otherwise, if not, the survival thing is going to work against you. You're going to be outcast from your social group. It's survival. Mm-hmm. And and even a lot of Christians, if you're listening to this, I understand if even Christians don't want to be friends with me because that's your social circle. This this type of gospel, the better gospel, the real gospel, causes people to lose friends because they're not part of a clique anymore. They're not part of a club. It isolates them from the club. And so they can't even hear what I'm saying. And maybe you can hear this, what I'm saying in private, but it's like, I understand. I don't. You don't have to publicly support me, but just I understand that that's what happens. I mean, that happened to me. I mean, you know, it. That's what happens because it's the group mindset is very powerful. Well, you know, like even whenever I've gone to like Bible studies and like friends, like they don't understand what I'm saying, or they just think what I'm saying is wrong, or it's blasphemous you know i get told i was working against god oh god yeah it's like i feel like i mean it's not happening but i remember telling a friend like it feels like i want i'm gonna get thrown off a cliff you know in the moment and like he he was just like well just be encouraged and try to do that to jesus too you know yeah and i'm not saying that they stopped being my friend or anything because they didn't you know but and the time, you know, debates get real heated, and it's like it doesn't feel, <laughs> it doesn't feel fun. You know? <laughs> Feels very painful having an entire group of people tell you you're evil or tell you this or that or. Yeah, it's just like hard to even communicate. It's like I don't know how to start communicating. God is good, and he doesn't. His heart isn't to burn people forever without them being like, well, look, what about this scripture? What about this scripture? What about this scripture? Yeah. Whenever. You start whenever you already understand that Jesus gives the ultimate light to all of Scripture, you know, mm-hmm. and that Jesus is the ultimate authority to all Scripture. The the launching point for that it's all wrong. Like, if you and if you approach, and that's the thing about the Bible that makes it. 
Like I like how one guy put it. I forget his name, but he said the Bible's like the greatest book of magic that ever existed. <laughs> right? He's like there's a cultist dude. He's pretty cool. But anyway, um, like, and I was just like, but it is. It's powerful because if you start from the wrong place, you don't see Christ. You see yourself, mm-hmm. and then everything you read starts getting interpreted by that. And then even tradition. Tradition has such a loud voice, like. I think about the scripture where Jesus is like, you can nullify the power of God through the traditions of men. And this he says this basically, that's such a powerful statement because this is even when he's dealing with his own hometown of Nazareth and not many people are believing him. And he says he can't do mighty miracles there. And I think maybe was it that he didn't have the power? No, it's just that like, there's something happening there where it's like, what you believe really does truly affect who you are and what you become. And believing is powerful. And believing the right thing is powerful. But it's like, that's again, again, going back to what we've been talking about. But that's why that can't be the thing that saves you. Because if it was just a matter of picking the right belief, we'd be screwed. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we would be just in as bad of a situation as the Old Testament. Like, belief becomes the new law. It becomes the new work. There, yeah, which it has. Which it has, yeah. And it's like, how do you even measure that? Like, do By I... as how good somebody preaches. But yeah, how... Or how, like, love... Like, how hard somebody worships. <laughs> yeah, how hard you cry or how loud you... How badly you sing with the worship team. Like, <laughs> that is, like, completely bogus. Dude, that's the other thing that a lot of people, like, tell me. They're like, well, then why did Jesus die? Like, if everybody's just gonna go to heaven, why did Jesus die? Well, like... I mean, the Bible says for freedom so that like, Christ set us free. Yeah. Like, that's the whole point, mm-hmm. is, like, freedom. Like, that, the reason why Jesus set us free is summed up in just that sentence right there. Yeah. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't, like, so God wouldn't lock us up in hell, you know? Because mm-hmm. that was never the intention, you know? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Yeah, and it's, like... It's like that doesn't just make that doesn't make any sense. It's like you know, it's like well, you just said the Bible doesn't make sense, <laughs> and it's like uh, that's another thing. Is like some people, it's like it sounds like you're just a Christian because you don't think there's con it, it because you believe in consequences, yeah. eternal consequences, and it sounds to me that you you were basically saying you probably wouldn't be a Christian if it, it weren't for these consequences. Yeah, if you weren't gonna be punished, you wouldn't believe because that's the only reason you believe. Just in case. <laughs> It's not Jesus Christ. You yeah, know? it's not. It's not Jesus, or that you're convinced. Is that just in case? <laughs> I don't want to burn in flames, and I can say I went to church a lot. So that's another thing that a lot of people have told me, like for sure. Really, is like, you know, what you're saying sounds good and all, but just in case you're wrong, oh my god, I'm gonna hold on to this belief. That's that's some great faith. Let me tell you. I know, and like, and people have told me, like, I really sure hope for your sake that you're right. You know, it's like, why? Because God's gonna, because of what I'm telling you right now, God's gonna be like, oh hell no! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, He did it. <laughs> yeah, man, that's just that's just like, and then furthermore, why would you want to be in eternity with a place that you're on that edge with all the time? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like. Like, oh, watch out. Here comes Jesus. It's like, oh, make sure you keep your mouth shut. Make sure you bow low. Don't look at him in the eyes. He may have you do something. Or he has that burning fire eyes. That, yeah. You know, he wants to kill somebody. That sword that comes out of his mouth to cut your head off. <laughs> 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 
it's very painful. Like it that doesn't that doesn't make any sense at all. And um shoot. That just that's trip it trips me out, man. Like it trips me out that like I don't know. That's that's hilarious. Dude. Emily's laughing at Salem because she's a part of the podcast. <laughs> Alright, Salem's the cat. <laughs> she's just chilling. She's like, this is good stuff. Heck yeah. She's been chilling here the whole time. She's got some hu- human spirit being ministered to. She's like, amen, brothers. Amen. amen. I've been reincarnated as a cat to learn. <laughs> <laughs> we got a little margarita up in here to help out with the podcast. Yeah. It's the spiritual oh, spiritual uh, lubricant. <laughs> yeah, but for real, like, people are just like, man, like, they, they want to err on the side of caution. Like, just in case God's not as good as you're saying. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be careful. Like, I'd rather just tow my way this way, which doesn't even make sense. Because, like, I'm telling you, I'm basically saying it's not your job to save people. It's God's job. Yeah. They're like, well, that's wrong. I never asked them this, but I definitely think it. It's like, how many people did you get saved this month? How many people did you preach to this month? This year? Yep. Before COVID. (laughs) Yeah. If that was a, you know, if that was a hindrance to your that, preaching, that was a holy excuse to not preach, right? Is How many people who believe this are actually like out there caring about any anything that they claim to care about? It's, hip- it's hypocrisy. That to me is hypocrisy for that's sure. That's the definition of it, man. That's like, of course, that's not what they're doing. Of course, that is not what they're doing. And even if they did. Even if they did, it's like the numbers are so minuscule that are like, like you said earlier, it's like 10,000. What's 10,000 out of like 10,000 out of 7 billion? And there's like, I don't even remember how many people are born every second. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like just to hit those numbers, you got to be like, it's impossible. That's, That's just the truth. Yeah. And that's why we like praise people like Billy Graham or like. Or like, uh, what's his name? What can I think of his name? Well, not Stephen Freddick, but uh, Reinhard Bunke. Like, yeah. those guys that preached to, like, a million people at one time. Mm-hmm. Like, we were like, oh, those guys are so holy. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> They're so holy, man. <laughs> I just just love their holiness, dude. <laughs> and, I mean, and again, I, I think, even with that, like, I think preaching's important. I think the gospel's important. I just don't think you should... The gospel needs to get rid of hell, and it needs to get rid of the, the that message needs to die. That's not the gospel. That's like a f- American salesman pitch is what it is. It's like, what can we do to make this sell? And you know, and they're like, let's throw in some hell. Let's throw in this. Let's throw in that. Like, oh yeah, now we got a marketable gospel. Now we can sell it. He's like, well, you know, you should have believed me. Now you're gonna burn in flames for eternity. You know, it's like. But the real gospel, it's like, that absolutely needs to be told to people. Like, the real God, like, in the gospel, like, you should be confident enough to be like, if you don't like what I have to say, like, there's the door, you know? Yeah. And if you don't think that's okay, look at Jesus. He literally basically said that to his disciples. Yeah. He was like, everybody else left me. Why are you guys still here? Yeah, you're going to leave too? Yeah, why don't you just leave? That's powerful. And then he's like, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. Yeah, he wasn't like, oh, man, I really need you guys to stay or else you're going to burn. <laughs> <laughs> Believe in me, thief, or else. You're about to drop some. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, Emily, uh, Joey's <laughs> wife just joined us. She's a priest, a priestess of the Most High God. <laughs> she's a prophetess, but she doesn't. She's just gonna chime in and probably blow everybody's minds in a minute. But... <laughs> yeah, I know. She's gonna pretend like she doesn't have anything to say. Then she's gonna drop something yeah, that's stupid, crazy. Yeah, and then we're just gonna be like, "Well, that's the end of the show." Cause... Well, well, okay, <laughs> so like for example, one time we were at the like one of the Bible studies, and like one of the dudes was like holding his like baby and. He was just like out of nowhere, like we were just talking about stuff, and and he just goes, "I know I'm gonna go to hell." Like he's like, "I know I'm going to hell." No. And I just remember I just look at Emily, she's like shaking, like, I was like, <laughs> like this is so wrong. And they're like, "Does anybody have anything to say?" And I was like, "Emily has something to say." And she's like, <laughs> and she was just like, "Ah, uh, like," and I just remember, she's just straight up, "What'd you say?" I just asked, and I was like, "Would you send your?" Baby boy to hell. <laughs> there you go. And he was like, "No, like there's nothing that he can do to <laughs> make me do that to him." And I was like, "Well, then why would you think God would do the same to you?" Boom! Boom! <laughs> Dro- <laughs> dropped the mic. <laughs> In case you didn't hear that, let me repeat that. She, there was a man who had a baby boy. Let me say it like a preacher. <laughs> there was a man. <laughs> Who had a baby boy at a Bible study and he was scared he said I know I'm going to hell and then prophetess Emily <laughs> dropped some knowledge on him and she said would you send your baby boy to hell and he said no there's nothing he could do that would make me ever do that and he's like well why would you think God did would do that to you there you go there's the gospel that's it. Like, why no one... He would not do that. God is good, always good, always has been. Jesus came to reveal the goodness of the Father. He didn't come to hide it from you. Like, again, like, it would have been so easy for Jesus to be like, you know what? I'm going to kill everybody. You know what? Let's just... um, Let me just destroy everyone here. Let me just... You know what? I'm just going to go on a killing spree with my angels because this is what mankind deserves, you know? And it's like... That would have set the record pretty straight right there that uh, don't mess with God or he'll uh, kill you, you know? But instead, you have him suffering literally at the hands of the person that he's trying to save and praying that they be forgiven for what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing while he's dying, you know? And then even after that, after he gets risen from the dead, he's like, hey, don't, don't, don't disbelieve, believe. Here, Thomas, put your hands in my side and in my hands, so you don't have to. Be- you don't have to not believe anymore. Just believe. And then he, Thomas's response is, "My Lord and my God." You know what I mean? Like, and Thomas was one of the worst. He was like, "I'm not gonna believe." So he's literally standing right here, and I can do that and prove that he's a zombie or whatever. You know, <laughs> he's not a zombie, and that's what happens. It's like, how about you? Like, whoever's listening, like. Don't you think God's going to meet you wherever you're at with this? He wants you to believe, but not because he want, he's going to destroy you. He wants you to believe for your own benefit, for your own happiness, for your own joy. Your joy can be complete, you know? It's a different, it's a whole different thing. This is not a hindrance to mankind. This is like the evolution of mankind. Christ came to bring the future of our, of our civil, of what we are. And I think if we just can grab a hold of that even a little bit 
it'll it'll set so many people free. You got something, Joey? Yeah, like I just remember, like uh, after we were at that um, Bible study, you know, um, I remember Emily just started reading like Colossians, and she was just like pulling out a bunch of stuff from Colossians, and like one. When uh, scripture says, he, uh, Colossians 3.11 says, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And it's like, you know, we were just talking about how, like, there's so many universal, like, dynamic scriptures in Colossians where it's like, it's like, nothing exists anymore just jesus and he's in everyone you know yeah and it's like your it's not like your identity is like so hidden in christ now like everything else is like fake almost you know like the only thing that's real is like you and jesus you know yeah and so like that's just so like crazy to me is like we're all just like running in circles like at these bible studies like how can we do more for jesus how can we be more faithful how can we be that's one thing i really saw like at these like bible studies and just like everything is about like how can we do more you know rather than like how can we learn how loved we are and like soak you know soak in that bathe in that like try to learn that first you know yeah and try to see how do how do we see like jesus how does he see us I think so. We stumbled towards all this, you know. Yeah. Because we really had to take a long, hard look at like, well, what does Jesus think about people who aren't like me, who don't go to church, who, who don't talk like me, who don't care about God, you know? Yeah. Does God see them the way He st- sees me? Because I think a lot of people at the church they think that God sees them as more special. Yeah. Than the other people, you know, and He's proud of you. He's disappointed with those people, though. Yeah, and that's that's really sad because, I mean, that's how it is. Like, I don't know how many times I've heard unbeliever or people not in church or not in the will of God. And it's like, dude, you don't even know any of that, first off. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, it's like, do you really think that he lo- God loves you more than he loves that person out there? Because that's how you act. You act like you're the only one that matters. And I know people don't want to admit that to themselves, but that's what happens. They get that better than attitude. Yeah, tell them about the Sunday crowd that go to... Remember whenever you worked at Logan's? Oh, man. I hated, like, wait, like working at a restaurant on Sundays. Because people would come in there after church, you know, like, with their large groups, like, wanting to get seated. And they would just be really, like, impatient and rude and, like, just intolerant. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, didn't you just go praise God? <laughs> <laughs> count your blessings. Yeah, did you just to... count your blessings and do your whole Christian show? Then you come, then it comes down where the rubber meets the road in a restaurant, and then you have like a piece of crap to the people that are there to give you food and help you. Well, yeah, and then she, well, like, well, didn't you say that people would be like, I need a table for 20? And they're like, okay, it's going to be like a while. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, don't that... you know I'm a saved person? Sinner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't you know I'm privileged because I believe in Christ? <laughs> I believe in this, in a version of him that gives me favor. Which all, like, all, like she said that, and I've heard this from multiple people, like multiple places, they hate Sundays. 
Yeah. Because they know that that's whenever, like, the worst people are going to come yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you make money, yes, I guess. I don't know, but... That's another thing that kind of annoys me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I have a friend that's always saying, like, the world is watching how we respond us christians respond to like Lil Nas X shoes oh my god how we do this and that's like most people don't give a crap how you act like you know like okay calm down like you know like you're not that important i'm sorry like there's not just a bunch of people in the world that are just like what are the christians gonna do and that's i'm gonna decide if i'm gonna be a christian based on how they act yeah like which obviously like a lot of christians act stupid and retarded and like a lot of people are like well that's probably fake you know yeah yeah. (laughs) and it's like i don't know man like i just it kind of annoys me when people are like that you know Mm -hmm. whenever they think like i'm so important you know yeah everything i do matters so much that's another thing that's the other side of the coin i'm like thinking that you it's up to you to get people saved is you take yourself way too seriously you can't enjoy your life yeah you can't have fun or anything you can't laugh you gotta like only be the mystery i'm not gonna drink or smoke or do anything because somehow that's gonna get somebody saved somebody may be watching me in a telescope from my (laughs) in my house well it's like i mean i think about this i'm like why would god give you life in the first place if he expected you to like earn it yeah like you owe him (laughs) it's like yo you better i'm gonna create you give you life and then you, you owe me. You owe me for that, you know? You gotta... Yeah, you owe me. <laughs> you owe me one. <laughs> like a Dwight. Yeah. With, the, with the bagel. <laughs> He's like, you owe me one. God keeps blessing you just so he can get you one over on you. Yeah, and like, uh, the other thing is like, oh, use me, God, for your glory. No. Like, what would you do if your son came in and was like, use me, Father? <laughs> I will destroy anyone you will. Listen, son, what have you been watching? And you're like, what's wrong with what you? you? What's wrong with you? What are you been smoking? Oh, my gosh. That would be such a weird thing. Like, your son come to you and say that? Or I can tell you as a dad, that would be like, I've failed as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, my son is weird as heck. <laughs> I wouldn't think it was my fault. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm like, what did you that, tell her? That <laughs> is entirely someone else's fault. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, get out of here and go get me a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Children teach us more, like so much about God. Like, I mean, some of the things I've learned about God are like, they're just like so empowering are from children. Yeah. Just because of their innocence and like, the love that they have for people like not knowing yeah and that's the other thing people are like well the gospel's so simple like i think i think i said this last time but like the gospel's so simple that like even a kid can understand it so it's like okay little boy you understand that you are separated from the (laughs) father because of the sin of adam and eve and now it's up to you to put your hope faith in christ and jesus and his finished work and you must repent of all your sins uh-huh. You get it? <laughs> You're gonna be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> They're gonna yeah. freak out. Yeah, and instead of being in there, that's that's crazy. Instead that's why the- church is so intimidating, especially whenever you're a kid. I remember we used to go to this Baptist church down the like down the street or whatever. And they had, like, the stained glass, and the organ was playing, and I just remember thinking, like, am I going to die? Like, you know, like... Oh, my God. Like, it was, like, <laughs> and, like, all these old people, it smells old, and all those ladies are always chewing gum, like... Yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. I used to always panic, because I, I could never find the right page with the right hymn on it. I'm just... 
Oh, okay, yeah. I'm still mad about this. I'm not gonna lie. So I was I spent the night at my cousin's house and like we went to church. Like this bus picked us up. And I remember they had oatmeal cream pies. And I, I remember like I was like, man, I want like this still makes me sad and upset. But they were like, Oh, turn to like John three sixteen. I I'd be like looking through the book like I have never seen a Bible in my life. And I, was, like, I just want an oatmeal cream pie. And, and like the people who would find it would get the cookie. And so I never got one because I I, I couldn't find the pages. Wow. Isn't that effed up? I'm gonna buy me some oatmeal cream pie. <laughs> That's kind of profound, actually. Isn't it profound, though? Because it's like the one that can understand this and find this, they're the ones that get the cookie. That doesn't even make any... That's, like, messed up. That's, like, extreme... That's basically Christianity, modern Christianity. Extreme favoritism. Yeah. And then you have the scriptures actually say that God doesn't play favorites with anybody. He has no favorites. He doesn't do that. Yeah, he gives the cookie to everyone, and the cookie's life, you know? Yeah, the cookie's to everybody. It's beer. Oh, I thought it was tea. Nope. Glad I didn't drink it. (laughs) That was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Read it one more time. (laughs) The last part. Read it louder. Be a preacher. The prophetess high priest that you are. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Mm, That's good. That's it. That's the gospel. What do you get from that? Like, he had a plan before we even came into the picture. And it's like... Yeah, but only for the saved people. (laughs) (laughs) That's a joke, by the way. No. (laughs) that's like that just that completely spells it out like completely makes it plain it's like there ain't nothing you can do to fix that we don't you don't get asked to be born you don't get asked to be born you don't get asked to be born again it happens it's given to you wait a minute what (laughs) well see even John 316 he's like Nicodemus you have to be born again he's like how am I supposed to do that He's like, yeah, that's right. You can't do it. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to make the world going to be reborn. You know? Like, that's so, uh, that just changes everything. Because then now, like, now it's like, I know for me, the way I act now, is it's like, once I really got a grip on this more, I don't really, like, get mad at people that disagree with me as much anymore. Because I'm just like, I remember before, whenever I was, like, really, like, the super evangelical evangelist guy. Mm-hmm. I was like kind of. I mean, I was weird, obviously, but I'm always been weird. But like, I was very. Uh, I had to fight. You know what I mean? Like fight the world, and I was learning apologetics and all this stuff, and you had to defend the faith. I had to preach against gays, and I had to do all this other BS that they, you know, they talk about. And I, and now it's just like, I don't really got to do any of that. Like, I just, all I got to do is just trust Christ and try to live good, do the best I can, you know? And that's it. There's not much more to it than that. Yeah. I think for me, like, I thought I knew everything. And now I realize I don't know anything, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> 
No, it's a good place to be in, you know? For real. I, I would be, I mean, I know for me personally, I would be very, very, that's one of the things that actually motivated me to start growing more in this other thing, mm-hmm. is I was like, this can't be all there is. Like, like me becoming rich and famous should not be the pinnacle of Christianity. And that's like all there was left to do, like was to had this ministry, had this thing, had this church. It's like now I have to become famous and I have to become rich. Like Joel Osteen or Steve Furtick or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the end of it. Like, no more spiritual growth, no more nothing. That's it. I did it, you know? And it's like, that's dumb. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When you really think about it, that's stupid. Like, I should have just become an actor. You know? Or like... For Jesus. For Jesus. <laughs> I should have become a really bad Christian actor. <laughs> like those memes did you see that meme I posted about that it's like Christians aren't that weird and it's like this lady dancing like doing a Christian dance and it's the most awkward thing (laughs) (laughs) she's dancing like like throwing her arms up like this and she's like praise the Lord Jesus save me praise the Lord (laughs) anyway that's a good meme I feel like you had more to say if you're good y'all we can call it we can call it now Tomorrow's Easter, right? I guess I can go a little bit more in depth with this. I mean, you know, it says that, like, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. And I think that kind of comes down to, like, knowing we have this life that God has given us that we shouldn't take it for granted. I don't think we need to put that, like, responsibility on ourselves to, like, save people because that's something that's already been done. Yeah. But I do think, like, you know, you should take responsibility and accountability for your own life. And, like, your own actions and, like, knowing that God has given you this life of peace and freedom and, like, grace and love that you should, like, live a life of peace and freedom, you know, and not... People always say, well, if everybody's saved, then, like, what's stopping people from going out and just doing whatever the heck they want to do? Going out and killing other people or, like, you know drinking whatever they want to drink and yeah like just sending your life away and it's like well when you realize that like god has given you this much grace it's like why would you want waste it to waste it yeah on something that could never give you as much peace and freedom that he can you know so i think there is like accountability and responsibility when it comes to your own life but it's like I don't think us as Christians need to be putting so much pressure to like recruit other people and save other people Yeah. so much as just like live by example and like show people mm-hmm. like I've been given this life so have you Making the most choose of it. to live it yes choose to live it and make the most it's not of so it. much of like making a choice to you know be saved but make a choice to live the life you've already been given, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah, it's not that simple for a lot of people, especially Christians, because a lot of them are like, well, you have to believe. You have to accept this life that's given to you. And there's a lot of people out there that reject it, you know? That's how a lot of Christians see it. 
Is it like, well, there's a lot of people out there that are rejecting that life, actively rejecting it. Because people think it's a life you have to earn. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but it's not. That wouldn't even be grace. That would be a wage you earn mm-hmm. doing work. And, like, I remember, like, a long time ago, whenever I first met Joey, like, one of the most, like, powerful things he said to me was, like, the difference between grace and mercy is, like, mercy is not giving you what you deserve, and grace is giving you what you don't deserve. You said that, Joey? Yeah, and then probably heard it from somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) But he didn't even, like... He said it, but Emily said it better. (laughs) Well, and it was just, like, something that's always, like, resonated with me and, like, stuck with me is, like, that's exactly, like, what God has done is, like, you know... You have to ask, is he showing us mercy or is he showing us grace? And to me, it's like God is showing us grace. Is he's giving us what we don't deserve rather than like not giving us what we don't deserve or what we do deserve, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like he's not saying, oh, I'm not going to punish you. Instead, he's saying like, stand up. I'm giving you something. I'm giving you something. So you're saying that the cross isn't necessarily like, well, you deserve to be punished, but I'm not going to punish you, but rather than Jesus came to give us something. Something amazing. He came to give us life and that much more abundantly. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's all about the gift more than it is about what he didn't do. The trespass. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> it's all about the gift more than it is the a trespass. trespass. <laughs> because a lot of people are like, well, the cross is all about... God wanting to punish us, but he chose not to. He he punished himself through his son. But that's not what it's about. It's about Jesus came to give us life. I just think that's so stupid. Dude, okay, here's the problem. I, I hate you so much, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, here, here's probably the most <laughs> profound thing that I've thought of within the past, like, month. That I've been, like, pondering on. Oh, man, it's been, like, hitting me so hard. Is like, people think that God is this unforgiving person for anybody who doesn't repent. Or anybody who's not a Christian. Like, God is just unforgiving. The wrath of God remains on them. But it's like, if God is this unforgiving person when it comes to sin... Like, what greater sin is there than killing God himself? Mm -hmm. And there is everybody at the cross killing Jesus, God. They're killing God. What greater sin is there? And Jesus says, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. And I've just been thinking about that. It's in the midst of God being killed. His heart is not unforgiveness. It's forgiveness. Oh man, that's like hitting me so hard. Happy Easter. (laughs) Seriously. That's it. That's Happy Easter right there. In the midst of the worst thing that we could possibly be doing, that anybody can be doing to him, he is choosing. His heart is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Think of it now. Like, if his heart's forgiveness in the worst moment of us, how is his heart not forgiveness all the time? Forever and ever. Mm hmm. God is good, man. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Absolutely. <laughs> Just eating an Oreo over here. Over there. <laughs> That's like... Think about that, man. Just think about it, dude. Try to picture the image. 
They're not even... They're not repenting. Are they repenting? And God's like, oh, forgive them. Yeah. Like, because they're repenting. No, they're literally laughing at him. And gambling for his clothes. They're insulting him. They're like, hey, he could save other people. Can he save himself? Like, so demented. He's literally nailed to a cross. Mm-hmm. Like, that is some, like, satanic stuff right there. Mm-hmm. They're, they're laughing at him. They're insulting him. They're, the other guys don't care. The soldiers have probably seen a billion people die. They're just like, whatever, this is another guy. Yeah. And he's like, forgive him. They don't know what they're doing. They don't. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's deep. That is deep. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the, the, I think that touches on that thing of how incomprehensible the love of God is, you know, like that it's. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not even your own rebellious, effed up, you kill God. Spit in his face. Do anything you can to him. Not even that can separate you from the love of God. Think about that. <laughs> you want to do whatever you want? Go ahead. Doesn't matter. Go man. ahead. God's, God's stronger. God's more loving. <laughs> God's more powerful than that. Dude, yeah. come on. That's <laughs> preaching right there. I'm about to start preaching right now. <laughs> Just like, get it out of you, man. What, what, what can I do whatever I want? Do whatever you want. Go ahead. <laughs> do it. And then you'll see God's love poured out again. <laughs> Dang. Dang. I dare you to do whatever you want. You can't. The truth is you won't. If you've tasted the love of God, you won't want to do whatever you want. Mm. You want to do what leads to life. Mm. (laughs) I mean, and look at Peter. Like, I I like... Peter's, like, one of my favorite people. Uh Like, one of my favorite disciples of Jesus. And, like, you know, Peter, whenever Jesus was literally about to die, like, he was like, I don't know that man. Like, he, like, his, like, literal, like, best friend. It was just like. I don't know who that dude is. I don't know who that guy is, you know? And, like, Jesus knew that he was going to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like, even after that fact, like, look, fact, like, look at how much, like, Jesus used Peter. Yeah. To do, like. The works. Yeah, to do to do good. To do good, you know. I think about like that one really hits me really hard too, because the the it, you know like after it, whenever um, Jesus is resurrected, um, he takes Peter by himself and asks Peter, he's like, "Do you love me?" And he says, "Yes, Lord, I know. I you know I love you." And the, and what what's, what's happening right there in the language is every time he's asking him, he's taking up the language of the love thing every time he's asking. Mm. So he's saying, like Peter, do you love me like a brother? Yes, Lord, you know I love you like a brother. Peter, do you love me like a father? Yes, Lord, you know I love you like a, like a father, a master. And he's like Peter, do you love me? with the God kind of love, like the self-sacrificing eternal love. Do you love me like that? And then it says Peter is like cut to his heart and like kind of like tears up. And he's like, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he says, and then he says, then I want you to take care of people for me. I want you to take care of my lambs for me, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just this beautiful thing that happens because it's like, 
you look at you know you look at we look at our lives and we go God's trying to hinder something from getting to us. He's trying to like people religious people say that don't do this, don't do that, don't taste this, don't touch that. But you see this picture consistently through Jesus that he's not trying to limit anything. He's trying to give something amazing to you. Something that will make you full, something that will make your life have meaning, something that will make it special to you, something that makes it valuable. And he's trying to give that to you. And it doesn't matter what we've done. And that's what's so powerful is like the callings and giftings of God don't change. Like he's not going to change how he, you could be 60 years old and you never did what was in your heart that God put in your heart. You can still do it. You know what's crazy is like, uh, isn't it Jesus that said like, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father and, and his angels. And then Paul comes later with this greater revelation and says something absolutely opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, if you deny him, he won't deny you because he can't deny himself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Paul, I mean, Peter like committed the worst thing that you could possibly commit. He literally yeah. denied Jesus. He did it three times. He didn't just do it once. He did it like for sure. For sure he did it. Betrayed him, yeah. Yeah, and it's like either Jesus just played favorites and like, you know, Peter's a special man. He's just a bishop of the Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah he's just the first pope or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or, it's like, imagine how much he punished himself. That's... I, yeah, man, that's so good. That's why he did Which, like, that. we know he, like... We probably went, like, full depresso mode. Well, he was, like... I mean, imagine the guilt, you know? Um, and then, like, whenever, like, Jesus came back and was, like... Oh, that's so powerful. This he thing, wasn't punishing Peter anymore. He was, like... Restoring him. Restoring him. It's, like... But Jesus does that for all of us. It's like, we think that, like, because we've sinned or because we've done something, like, we have to, like, repent and, like, beg for God's mercy. And it's, like... He's... He doesn't want it, you know? Like, he wants you to, like, stand up and, like... Yeah. Be restored. He wants you. Yeah, he just wants you. Yeah, he doesn't want your... You're, I'm, you know, you're flailing. I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, he's like, man, I just want you, man. Yeah. It's like the parable of the prodigal son. Like, he didn't care about what he, he had wants, to say. He just wants, like, your love, you know? Like, and he yeah. wants to, like, love you. And here's the question. Would he have done the same for Judas? Of course. Oh, yeah, for sure. Of course he would have. <laughs> of course. Judas was so freaking depressed, he went and killed himself, though. Yeah. Yeah, Judas's story is really sad, but. Then you, like you said, then you have the reverse where you have Peter, and it's like, yeah, I can, I can definitely see Judas apologizing to Christ and Christ forgiving him. You know what I mean? Or Christ just forgiving him first. Yeah, not even, ha- not even having. Yeah, he already forgave. Already forgave you. Well, Jesus already knew. Like he knew, like the night before. Yeah. I also mean, down, he knew Judas was gonna do what he was gonna do. You know. Yeah, and that's crazy because like I, I just think about the verses and it's like. Just whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. I already know what you're going to do. That's fine. I understand you've done that. I Go do it then. You know, like, not even, like, mad. Oddly enough. That's weird. <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, I saw, like, this post that said Judas ate two. And it's like, it was like, uh, well, Judas, you know, though he betrayed Jesus. Like, well, he ate two. He ate at the Last Supper. And he still got to partake in all the other stuff. But I just remember thinking, like, I don't know, just uh, this is kind of out of left field, but, like, I just remember thinking, like, 
why does that even matter? Like, if he got to eat with Jesus, like, would you want to eat with Jesus even though you're going to betray him? Like, <laughs> if you still think that he was going to burn forever, you're like, oh, at least he ate. Like, you know, well, if you have this theology where, like, Judas is burning forever, who cares what he, <laughs> what he did, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just thought, like, I was just trying to find the sentiment in that post and I couldn't, you know? Yeah, you were just like, this is... Dumb. <laughs> this is a bunch of words put together that yeah, don't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, that's how it seemed to me anyways, but like... Um, yeah. So, uh... I think that's good, right? Y'all yeah, good? we're good. We got a lot... A lot we put out there, but... Um, yeah, you can edit it later. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can edit it later, which, which I won't do. <laughs> that was great. Uh, thanks for doing the episode with me, and... Sure. Uh, Letting me eat your food and stuff. Heck yeah, man. All right, guys. That's it. Have a good Easter. You can try a meatball if you want. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to do that. (laughs)